praise the Lord. Once again, Pastor Jerry bringing you the Word of God. Again, it's always an honor, always a privilege to bring you the Word. Praise God. We're so grateful that you're connecting with us, whether through video, audio, however it may be. We're just grateful that you're connecting with us. So praise the Lord. As we've been talking in our midweek services, praise God, over the last oh, several weeks, amen, we've been talking about possessing our promised land. Praise God. And of course, if you recall, we turned to uh, Joshua 1. That was kind of our key verses there. We kind of went through about the first nine verses there, talked about the different keys that the Lord gave Joshua as far as possessing that promised land. And uh, we took some time, took it verse by verse, looking at that. Uh, probably took maybe about four weeks doing that. And um, we talked about, you know, about how you are called to possess your promised land. And these same keys are still uh, for you and me to uh, take note. So, um, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, because the fact that you have promises in the Word of God. In fact, the Word of God tells us in uh, 2 Corinthians 1.20, it tells us that all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him, amen, praise God. Meaning there's no ifs, ands, buts about it. It's yes and amen, praise God. All of His promises in this word, amen, are for you. In fact, Hebrews 8 and 6 tells us that uh, Jesus is a mediator of a better covenant established on better promises. Of course, talking about this word, uh, this word, of course, uh, contains an old covenant and a new covenant, praise God. And that word covenant, of course, uh, means a, a, pro, or a, a, promi, uh, a law or um, testament, um, uh, will. It actually is one of the words for it, praise God. And what it refers to is something that's been recorded or written down containing promises and agreements that have been made. Amen. So what you have is a covenant, and in that, an old covenant and a new covenant, amen, of promises, amen, some say anywhere between seven to 10,000 promises in this word, praise God, uh, that uh, are for you and me for every area of our life. Now, the word promise, let me go ahead and give you, because I didn't do that. The word promise is referring to an, something expressed, an expressed assurance. In other words, something has either been said or recorded that you can bank on, an expressed assurance on which our expectation is to be based, amen, our anticipation, amen. We ought to uh, be able to base our expectation on these promises, which is going to kind of come up here today, uh, so it's kind of key to know that. And again, the Word of God brings out in Hebrews uh, chapter 6 and verse 12, it says that uh, through faith and patience, you inherit those promises. Again, it's going to be something that's going to be kind of key today, all right, through our faith or our confidence, our assurance, our reliance upon God, and patience, that word there, uh, actually it means uh, to be uh, consistently constant. It means speaks of things like endurance and staying with it, sticking with it, praise God. So through your faith and staying with it, praise God, you inherit those promises. In chapter 10 of Hebrews, in verse 36, it says, uh, we by endurance, okay, and doing the will of God, we receive those promises. So in other words, that word endurance is kind of that same root word, of the word patience, in other words, sticking with it, staying with it, amen, not backing up, not quitting, praise God, you stay with it, praise God, and continue to do the things that he lays out for you, do his will, and you'll receive these promises, so that's kind of what we've been coming th uh, coming after uh, this with, uh, talking about Joshua, how he gave him instruction, do this, don't do that, amen, if you do these things, you receive that promise. If you refuse to do the things, uh, you know, these things, then what happened? You're going to have trouble. 
Amen. The first generation of uh, Israelites that came out of Egypt had a lot of problems due uh, to some things they didn't follow through with, didn't do. And then that took us into that second part of this series, talking about the roadblocks, the things that get in the way. And the first thing he brought out when he was talking to Joshua was fear. Okay, we talked about fear and how fear can get in there and mess things up. Fear can be a definite roadblock. And we went back through that text in Joshua 1 and looked at the different ways that fear could get in. Okay, talking about the fear of the unknown, the fear of men, uh, the fear of death, okay, the fear of failure. These are all different things and different tactics that the enemy uses uh, the area of fear in our lives. And that's why he said, you know, he, he commanded him, you know, to, uh, to be strong and of good courage and to not be afraid or be dismayed, okay? He said that was a commandment of God, amen. You cannot let fear in. Now, we begin to uh, go into the book of Hebrews. In fact, that's where we're going to go again, the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, please. And we're going to talk some more about some different roadblocks that get in the way of us receiving our promised land. Amen. little review there, so praise the Lord. But we're going to go back to verse 7 of chapter 3. Verse 7, please. Let's see here. Yep, Hebrews 3, verse 7. It says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Okay, that's something you kind of see throughout this whole thing. It just means being stubborn and stiff-necked, okay, as in the rebellion. Of course, we know then who he's talking about. He's talking about this first generation of Israelites that went through, okay, because they operated out of rebellion. And he said, in the day of trial in the wilderness. So we know who he's talking about. Where your fathers tested me and tried me. All right, we... Kind of touched on that a little bit uh, last week, okay? And uh, talking about what it means to test God, to provoke God, scrutinize God. All right, we kind of brought that out. And, and he said, and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, here we go. This was our, another key now, that another roadblock, I should say, uh, to us receiving or entering into that promised land. He said this, they always go astray in their hearts, and they have not known my ways, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, or that promised land. That's what he's referring to. Okay, so that was another roadblock, okay, was the fact that they always go astray in their heart. And we talked about what that means is to, in a sense, be um, drawn away, um, and their hearts were drawn away, uh, they were sidetracked, they were distracted with all kinds of things. Uh, a lot of it out of 1 Corinthians we brought out was all the different temptations, the things that they were they yielded uh, to these temptations. These are things that drew their heart away that, in a sense, um, uh, you know, just uh, pulled them away. But the thing I wanted to bring out, and I'm going to, uh, you know, I brought this out last week. I want to bring it out again this week, was it wasn't like a, a one-time thing or they slipped up here or there a little bit. This was, the word here says, this is what God says, they always go astray in their heart. So this was something they constantly did. And actually, when we went back there and looked at that, that's exactly what they did. They constantly provoked God. They constantly allowed their heart to be pulled away to other things. They were constantly yielding to stuff they had no business yielding to. And, and primarily stuff that brought destruction and, and misery in their lives. And they continually allow their heart to be pulled back toward that stuff, being tempted with all this evil things. 
And so that's, that was something that we talked about last week. The next thing I want to talk about, starting here in verse 12, and we're going to read on here, it says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Now, unbelief is going to be the, the big one here today, okay? An evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you uh, can uh, any of you be hardened through deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning. Here we go. Hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. That's probably going to come up here again. While it is said today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellions. Repeating it again, for who having heard rebelled. Indeed, was it not all uh, who came out of Egypt, led by Moses, and with whom uh, was he angry those 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness, to whom he did, uh, uh, to whom did he swear that he would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? Here we go. So we see that they could not enter in because of, here it is again, unbelief. So our next roadblock is this thing about unbelief. They could not enter in or possess their promised land because of a thing called unbelief. Now all through this text, again, it's, it's letting it be known. We're talking about that first generation that came out of Egypt. Okay, They wandered in a wilderness for 40 years. And if you do your studies, you'll find out that was never God's intention for the children of Israel to roam around in a wilderness. They were all called to the wilderness, to the Mount of God, to worship Him. And when that was done, the Scriptures are very clear that from that place to where they could come over and look into that promised land was only an 11-day journey, 11 days, okay? But the problem was due to uh, fear, due to uh, the, they always go astray in their heart, due to what we're talking about today, unbelief, because of these things, Okay, they did not possess that promised land, or at least that generation did not possess that promised land, and instead they wandered in a wilderness for 40 years. That's why, to me, uh, a, a series like this is so critical because the word is real clear that you cannot, you know, look at them and say that, you know, what happened to them couldn't happen to me. I mean, he makes it real clear, even in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, makes it real clear that if you, uh, you know, if, if you're going to live like they lived, guess what? You're going to get the same results, okay? So we can't think that, that we're exempt from these things, okay? So when we're learning through, uh, you know, through the life of Joshua and that second generation on the things to do to possess it, and then also the things that hindered it or became roadblocks through this first generation. See, we're learning some things. See, and if we can avoid these kind of things, we avoid the fear, we don't let our heart continually go astray. Are you hearing me? We don't yield to unbelief, praise God, then we can possess that promised land. Amen. So let's look at this thing called unbelief today, all right? And I want to give you a definition. And then off that definition today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of use that as our, as our uh, springboard today, so to speak. So the verse 19 all right, let's look at it again. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So this word unbelief here, which is also mentioned in verse 12, the same word, but it means faithlessness, okay, faithlessness or unfaith, but that refers to the lack of faith. 
okay, which is kind of key. So unfaith, okay, um, maybe you could even use the word disfaith, but it's, I don't know if that's a true word, but in other words, unfaith or the lack of faith, it means disbelief, okay, and the word disbelief, okay, is, is at times defined as an expectation of, of disappoint, disappointment, pardon me, all right, and then we're going to talk about that, so, and also distrust, so unfaith, disbelief, or distrust, which actually means to discredit what's been said, okay, is what it's referring to. So we're going to look at uh, the children of Israel in the light of this definition. So the first thing he talks about unbelief is about faithlessness or unfaith or the lack of faith, okay. If you kind of look back up in the same chapter, back into verse 14, he talks about uh, that uh, we're called to hold to the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. The problem was that's what they uh, that's where the problem was. They did not hold fast, okay, to the confidence, okay? They, not, they weren't steadfast uh, to the end. They didn't hold, here we go, hold the beginning of their confidence steadfast to the end, okay? They just didn't stick with it. They didn't stay with it. In fact, that's what the reference we used earlier, uh, you know, in Hebrews 6, talking about through faith and patience. In other words, through your faith and being consistent with your faith, you inherit that promise. Okay, so they were not being consistent with it. Okay, they did not hold fast or hold true. So when you're talking about, you know, unbelief, it's talking about really, you know, unfaith, okay, or disfaith, uh, no faith, you, the lack of faith. And we're going to look at some references here a little later uh, that kind of bring that out too. But uh, it's just about unplugging your faith, so to speak. In other words, it's not saying that you have no faith. It just means that somewhere along the line, you chose to not use faith, to unfaith. And you chose to unplug your faith, okay? Uh, that's why we can be going along and be walking in faith in certain areas of our life and walking in total unbelief in other areas of our life, okay? And that just kind of starts explaining it. So the first one, you know, dealing with the fact of the fact they didn't hold true. They didn't stick with faith. They didn't keep their confidence in God steadfast to the end, okay? That's part of it. The next part of it, again, that definition is the word, again, disbelief. So unbelief is about disbelief, okay? Which uh, I've seen it defined, as I said earlier, as expectation of disappointment. So when you kind of look at it like that, it kind of starts making sense. In fact, hold your place there. And in Psalm 78 again, remember we last week went to Psalm 78, and uh, because the whole psalm is dealing with the children of that first generation and the problems that we had with that first generation, and, and in this psalm it brings it out. Uh, but we're going to look at another verse here in Psalm 78 today, and I'm going to go to verse uh, 7 first, and it says that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. Now, that was the problem. They did not set their hope. See, he said if they would have set their hope in God, all right, and not forget or lose sight or, or let go of or leave behind or mislay the works of God, okay? I think we kind of briefly touched on that last week with another verse in Psalms here. But it says here they did not set their hope or their expectation or anticipation. It also refers to um, a preconceived idea or a picture within, okay? So when you're talking about uh, they didn't set their hope on God, which meant was they had, they set their hope in something else. They set their expectation in something else. 
they had a wrong preconceived idea or picture within. So in other words, the problem that we have here with this is the fact that they were not leaning on an expectation or hope in God. Instead, they were leaning on a wrong expectation. I'm going to kind of say it that way, okay? A wrong expectation or an expectation of disappointment. In fact, it's real easy when you, when you look at this and you see uh, the example uh, that they give us, um, you, you can kind of see it play out a lot of times in our lives, or at least the enemy attempting to play this out in our lives, is through uh, past experiences, things that didn't quite go right. You know, we prayed about this, we, we were pressing in for this, or we were asking God about this, or we were hoping for this, or wanting this to happen, and it didn't quite happen, and through maybe a uh, a few events going, you know, in our past, different experiences that went through, pretty soon all you start expecting is disappointment, okay? It becomes a real temptation to yield to that. Instead of putting your expectation in God or your hope in God, you begin to put more expectation toward disappointment. Hang on to that. A good, a good reference for that is uh, Gideon, okay? In fact, uh, write it down. I won't turn to it, but Judges 6 and 13, okay, that was one of the things that was wrong with Gideon at first, was the fact he said this, Oh, my Lord, this is uh, Judges 6, 13, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. So the point being is, okay, he, here he is, okay, um, he's got more expectation of what he's seeing at the moment. See, the, the whole fact that the Midianites for years have overwhelmed them, have, uh, have, have beat them down, have constantly stolen from them and taken from them. So to the point that even though, listen now, this is real key, because he said this in his statement, okay, now he said this, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us. Now first off, the, the one that came to talk to Gideon was sent by the Lord, okay, so he can't say the Lord wasn't with him, okay. Secondly, he said, why is all this happiness and where are all his miracles, which Look at this, our fathers told us about. The answer for his breakthrough was in what he said. He wouldn't put his, he wouldn't set his confidence or hope or his expectation, I should say, in what his forefathers told him. Instead, he was putting more expectation on what he was going through at the moment based on some negative circumstances that have happened over the years, based on being overwhelmed for, for several years on end by the Midianites. So he's putting more expectation and disappointment than he was on what his forefathers told him about, amen, about how God does miracles. And he goes on to say in that same statement, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? So he obviously knew about all the miracles that God did to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt and all the signs and wonders and all that kind of stuff. But you notice, you know, when you get, when you, you get going in, you get caught up in that disappointment where you're maybe you're more anticipation of disappointment, more expectation of disappointment, your hope's not necessarily set on God, but, in the, but it's set on the fact that all the misery and the troubles maybe you've went, went through over the last few years or whatever it is, see, you, 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 see you can, get, you can get, get off on it. 
He knew the answer. The answer was put your, set your faith in God. Set your hope in God. Amen. The one that does the miracles, the one that will deliver you out of your mess. Amen. Instead, he got more caught up in what the Midianites were doing. All right. Now, you know, I've said this many times, you know, stop telling God how big your enemy is and start telling your enemy how big your God is. And that's really what we have to do. Now, remember, we're talking about unbelief. What does it mean, you know, to, to be an unbelief? This is what we're talking about. See, to have more of an expectation of disappointment instead of expectation on what God's going to do for you. See, that's tapping unbelief, okay? Not setting your hope in God, okay? That's, you're going to get in trouble with that, okay? Even though you know, see, I'm pretty sure most of the people I'm talking to right now, I mean, you know what God can do. You know the great things God has done and probably even to a degree have an understanding of what God will do. Amen. But what God's trying to get across to you is what he will do right now. You have to set your hope, your expectation on him right now. Believe that he is the God that is, the word says. Amen. Hallelujah. And a rewarder of those who diligently seek. Believe that he's, he is. He's the God that's, that's present right now. The God that will work for you right now. See, unbelief doesn't tap that. It puts its expectation in all the other stuff. It doesn't put its expectation on what God can do right now. That's the trap. That's what the enemy tries to get you caught up with, get you caught up with what all the Midianites are doing instead of what God's going to do. Amen. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little bit of a trap, but that's how the enemy gets you caught up in it. The other part of that definition of unbelief was dis trust okay another word distrust okay in fact let's read another reference in psalm 78 i guess i should have kept my finger there psalm 78 and uh, this time we're going to look at let's see verse 22 let me get to it here 78 verse 22 and it says this because they did not remember this is talking about the children of israel that first generation because they did not believe god here we go and did not trust in his salvation, did not trust in his salvation. Let me give you some definition here, and then we'll kind of bring this out, okay? The word here, trust, of course, means a confident belief. It means a firm certainty. It means to rely on or depend on, okay? But now get this, because true trust in God is, is about no other expect, or, or probably no other options, okay? In other words, a commitment without any other options, a commitment unto him without any other options. That's why one of the, the great references when you start talking about trust, okay, is out of uh, Proverbs 3 and verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And here we go. And lean not on your own understanding, which is real key. Because when we're talking about this word unbelief, and one of its definitions is dis trust, which referring to, now listen, which refers to, uh, to discredit something that's been said. When you distrust somebody, part of that is there's a, a discrediting of something that was said, okay? So when we're talking about this word trust, now on a positive side, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I hope this is making sense to you, okay? Because this is what it comes down to. It's about leaning on your own understanding. 
So even though God's saying some things, and this was the problem with the children of Israel, God was telling them and showing them that he could deliver them out of anything. I mean, one sign, miracle after another, praise God, he was doing to deliver them. And somehow they would discredit what he just did. You know, within 24 hours, they're already discrediting it, all right, and still tapping this thing based on their own, their own understanding, okay? They got caught up in their own understanding. They did not believe God and did not trust his salvation. They did not believe God and did not trust in his salvation. Even though he just did, he just brought them through, you know, dry ground through the Red Sea, parted the Red Sea, brought them through, caused the enemies to be, uh, you know, to be uh, drowned, uh, you know, in that Red Sea. And, you know, water from a rock, uh, you know, uh, quail coming through every day, manna falling from the sky. We're talking about, you know, a pillar of fire by night, a pillar of cloud by day. We're talking about signs after signs, miracles after miracles, and yet somehow or another they would discredit it. Somehow or another they would, they would through their own understanding, somehow discredit it, somehow analyze it to a degree. They, they literally uh, would kind of just, dis, you know, dismiss it, all right? That's really what it's talking about. So when we're talking about unbelief, talking about, you know, unfaith, the lack of faith. We're talking about not, you know, staying with it, with their faith. We're talking about, you know, disbelief in the area of, of you know, uh, not, uh, uh, you know, the uh, um, what's definition of that again before I lose it here. Okay. It, the expectation of disappointment. Amen. And then we're talking about now distrust, which is discrediting that which has been done or said. Okay, so this is, it starts, you start understanding now why they did not enter into that promised land. Okay, this was just an area. It wasn't just a thing, and I, I really want to bring this out. It wasn't just a thing that they had a moment of doubt. See, the word doubt in itself, it just, dis, it just means a, a momentary or secondary thought. Okay, it wasn't like they just had a secondary thought and slipped up for a few seconds. We're talking about yielding. They literally discredited what God was doing. Okay, so that's why they wandered for 40 years instead of going in and taking their promised land. Okay, so we're seeing it now as the children of God, uh, you know, over on, on this side of things, reading about them as examples. We need to take note of the fact that not only, uh, as we found out last week, uh, you know, or the last couple of weeks, not only do we yield, you know, you know, avoid fear and don't get involved in, you know, letting your heart, uh, you know, be turned away from things, amen, but we also steer clear of unbelief. And these are just some examples, or pardon me, some definition of what unbelief is, trying to get you aware that unbelief is serious business. And we're going to see that here in a few verses here. Unbelief serious business, okay? So to, you know, expect the bad or expect the disappointment or to uh, discredit the things he's done and said, see, this, this isn't a lightweight thing, okay? You know, we need to set our heart on God, set our faith on God, set our expectation on God, amen, that no matter what's going on, if you want this thing to turn and you want to possess your promised land, you want to receive your promises in God, then you're going to have to avoid these kind of things, okay? You have to steer clear of unbelief, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So let's look at some things. We're going to go back to the new covenant, and let's look at Mark, chapter, uh, the book of Mark in chapter 16, I believe. Mark and 16. Hope you're hearing this today. 
Mark and 16. Now, what I'm going to do here for the remainder of our time with you, we're going to talk about, just bring up some verses, some texts about that, uh, that talk about unbelief, okay? And just, again, hopefully um, give you a revelation of this, okay? And really see how, maybe I could say, the subtleness of the enemy in bringing unbelief, okay, or causing us to yield to unbelief might be a better way of saying it, okay? And, and what we have here in this text is the apostle, you know, the, the disciples, okay, okay? So let's look at this because it, it, this to me is, is pretty powerful. Verse 14 says, Later he appeared to the 11, 11 uh, disciples here. So this is Jesus appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table, and he, here we go, rebuked, that's not nothing good, okay, they re, he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, there's that word again, that, that calloused heart or that rebellious heart, uh, because they did not, here we go, because, so listen, he said, he rebuked their unbelief because they did not believe those who seen him after he had risen. You know, right after this, it goes into the Great Commission, go ye in all the world. Isn't that and amazing? A lot of times we don't realize that, but he spoke all that uh, coming after a rebuke to them, dealing with their unbelief. Okay, now the reason it was unbelief, again, now take it in the light of what we were talking about earlier, uh, is that here they are, okay, he's now sitting down with them, okay, he's rebuking them for their unbelief. Now, how many know if Jesus is rebuking you for your unbelief, come on, there's probably some unbelief. Uh, you know, I'm just saying. So anyway, he said, you would not believe what, get this, okay, Jesus had already told them he was going to be raised up the third day. Now, they all, you know, they, they couldn't compute, okay, and I get it, okay, if you had been that in that place too, it might have been hard for you to compute the same thing, it might be hard for you to grasp it. Okay, so I'm not making light of the disciples there. But what happened was he was raised from the dead, and people did see it, all right? They, were, they bore witness of it, told the, told the boys, amen, that this happened, just like he said, but they wouldn't believe it. Well, why is that? Well, they, they couldn't up here. They, their, their own understanding couldn't grab it. They couldn't. They, so basically what happened, they discredited the things that he had said. And they and he, and definitely discredited the people that came up and said, hey, we've seen the master. He's, he's, he's with us now, all right? He has been raised from the dead. The point is, is that's unbelief. It's dangerous. It's, it's dangerous enough that the Lord rebuked him for it, all right? So this isn't something to play around with, all right? You literally discredited what they said, and you discredited the things I told you before I went to the cross. All right? And then, okay, then he gives them the great commission of going to all the world. So I just want you to know, you know, sometimes when, when you read that great commission, you need to understand that came off the backside of a rebuke to them uh, for unbelief. Let's look at another text in Mark, chapter 6 this time. Boy, I hope you're hearing this. Amen. Chapter 6. And let's go ahead and uh, read through this text a little bit. Uh, verse 1, it says this, Then he went out from there and came to his own country, uh, which Nazareth here, okay, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him 
were astonished, saying, where did this man get uh, these things? Now, think, just think about this. Now, this is what's working through their heads. And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? So they're, they're seeing stuff happening. They hear about stuff happening. Okay, but they're still, see, they're warring with it in their head. Here, here's this, this conflict going on, their, their own understanding, okay? Their own understanding is, is working against them. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Joseph Judas, and Simon, and, and, and are not his sisters here with us? See, see, see how you start analyzing stuff? This, this can't be right. This can't happen. I mean, we know this guy. We grew up with this guy. We've seen his family. We know his family. Uh, you know, we, they just started. So they were offended at him, okay? That just means they just literally, they just took, they just were set back by it. They just couldn't grasp it. They just couldn't think, how can you think you this and do this and do that when you, it's their own head, see? All right? But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could, now get this, this is the key. He, now they, or pardon me, he could do, he could, didn't say he wouldn't. It said he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled, now get this, he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about in the village in a circuit teaching. He marveled because of their unbelief, all right? There's only two places we see in Scripture where Jesus marveled at something. We know he marveled at the centurion's faith, and he marveled at these people's unbelief. Now, hopefully, if he's marveling about something in your life, hopefully it's for your faith and not your unbelief. Amen. But anyway, it said he could do no mighty work there, okay, because of unbelief. Okay, see so how it hinders things, how it shuts things down, okay? See, we're, we're talking about unbelief here with, with his own people. They got too busy trying to compute things and analyze things to the point that they literally talked themselves out. They discredited all the things. And, even, and it even said in that text, okay, that they, he, he has got great things. He's saying great things. He's obviously done great things. Okay, see, that's the thing. They, they, they know this all happened. They're hearing it, but they discredited it because they began to lean on their own understanding they begin, you know, maybe, maybe in a sense due to uh, previous disappointments and all the way life just does, and then just say, yeah, this can't be. And pretty soon what, what happens? They, they tap into a thing called unbelief, and as a result of it, they could, he could do no mighty work there. In fact, in, uh, just for reference, Matthew chapter 13 and verse 58, he said, now he did not do many, many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So he just really spells it out right there. He, he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. And again, that's in Matthew 13 of the same, same uh, story, but in Matthew's account. Let's go to Mark 9 now. Mark 9. Hope you're hearing this. See, this is, you know, unbelief is not something you, you play around with here, okay? We got we to gotta kind of deal with this, all right? Because I want you to enter into your promised land, amen? So let's go to Mark 9. Let's look at this, Mark 9, and this time we go to verse 14. Mark 9, verse 14, please. And uh, says this, And when he came uh, to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, What are you discussing with them? Then one in the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son, 
Okay, so this is a father talking about his son. I brought you my son uh, who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, now he goes through the story here. Now, this is pretty key. Okay, here it goes. And when it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. Okay, so I spoke to your disciples that they uh, should cast it out, but they could not. Okay, now listen. And he answered him and said, O foolish, um, oh, pardon me, O faithless generation. Here we go. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Now, that's pretty key when you see, oh, faithless, and it literally means you unbelieving generation. If you look up a cross-reference, it probably even says that, an unbelieving generation, which is key again, okay? Uh, then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately, so in other words, Jesus now has the young boy in front of him, okay? And immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming at the mouth. So in other words, the very thing the father was talking about before, he went through the whole story of it. Okay, now it's playing out in front of him. Chances are, I'm just saying, it doesn't say it in here. I'm just, just be based on how the story plays out. It's probably happened in front of the disciples too. Okay, and it probably freaked them out a little bit. Okay, just keep that in mind. Okay, so now the boy is going into convulsions right now in front of him. Okay, and so Jesus, you know, cool as a cucumber, man, the coolest cat that ever walked the planet. He said this, he said, he asked the father, how long has he been, you know, how long has this been happening to him? You know, how long has this been going on? I mean, he's just sitting there, you know, asking questions. He's not moved by what's going on, which is real key, okay? And he said from childhood. And again, what happens, the father starts going back into the story. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can, here we go, but if, but if you can, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. That doesn't sound like a, a, a big, you know, faith statement there, okay? Now, I understand we're not making light of what the Father's going through. This is a serious business. But what you have to understand is the Father has been riddled with disappointment. Hang on to this, this thing of unbelief. He's been riddled with disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. And now I've brought him to, your, to you and your disciples prayed, and they couldn't do anything. Disappointment. So now, see, what it is, is the man is, is, has got more of an expectation. See, in other words, that's disbelief. Come on now. Expectation of disappointment. Are you hearing me today? All right? Expectation of disappointment. Now, you know, now think about that. This is what the Father. Now, listen, we're not making light of the Father. Okay, I'm just saying this is what's going on. So Jesus said this, okay? Again, the, the Father said, if you can do anything, right? Jesus said, if you can believe, verse 23. So in other words, you're telling, asking me if I can do anything. But that's, not the, that's not the question here. The question is, if you can believe, okay? All things are possible to him who believes. A powerful verse, okay? This ought to be one you have memorized, right? And set your attention on, set your expectation on, amen? If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately, verse 24, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. He got it. Help my unbelief. In other words, unbelief. I, I'm in unbelief right now, right? 
And of course, and Jesus saw that the people were, uh, came running. He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and, and then came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that many even said he was dead. Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had uh, come into the house, of course, now the disciples are asking him, why could, this, why could we not cast him out? Of course, it says here in verse 29, this kind uh, can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. I'm going to talk about that here in a minute. Let's go back to the Father, okay? We're talking about unbelief. So the Father understood he was in unbelief. He wasn't believing. Well, why not? Because he had more of an expectation of disappointment. See, that's the trap of the enemy. Well, you know, you prayed before. You had other people pray over him before. You, you know, you, you, you talked to God about it before. It didn't quite happen. It just seems like for years and years this has been going on. Pretty soon you have more of an expectation. This is how you tap unbelief or disbelief. The expectation of disappointment. That's what happened. Well, the, the, the master dealt with that. And the father said he recognized it. As a result of it, he changed that, which is a, a glorious thing, showing you that even in a matter of a minute, we can turn this thing around, praise God. Hallelujah. That's, that's, a, that's the cool thing about it. Okay, we can shift this thing, get you out of unbelief, and get you into a place of believing where all things are possible. Praise God. Hallelujah to those who believe. Hallelujah. We can get you into that place. You can get your breakthrough, your miracle, your promise from God. Amen. Now you notice, praise God, that there was unbelief there with the father. We got that settled. We got the miracle. But then the boys, okay, the, the disciples are asking him, why couldn't we do it? Well, he says, uh, you know, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Now, the, we have a better understanding of this in Matthew's account, Matthew 17, the same story, but Matthew 17 and 20 says, Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Okay, that's what he said. And then he goes on to say, you know, that, uh, in fact, let me read that whole verse, Matthew 17 20. Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Okay, so he brings it out because of your unbelief. Okay, so most of the time people look at this and say, well, through prayer, prayer and fasting, that's the thing. I gotta, we got to get this prayer and fasting thing down in order for this to happen. No, he said because of your unbelief. Okay, you're, 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 more, you're leaning more on your own understanding. Okay, you're, you're expecting deep down the ex expectation you have is that it's not going to work. Okay, that's why he said that, okay, now through your prayer and fasting, you can, you can deal with this. See, prayer and fasting isn't trying to make God, uh, you know, do something greater or get the enemy, come on, weaker. That's not what this, that's not what prayer and fasting is about. Prayer and fasting is about working on you. The idea is to eliminate all the things that get in the way of your faith. See, unbelief can get in the way of your faith. See, you, if, you, if you stop and you think about the story, the boys, uh, you know, were praying over the child and probably went into a convulsion right there and started, you know, wallowing and, and, you know, foaming at the mouth and going, you know, just, you know, maybe being contorted and everything going on. Right. And they just, they, they just kind of got a little bit freaked out by it. And probably instead of moving forward in faith, they were backing up in unbelief. So he says through prayer and fasting, okay, is getting you in a place where you're not allowing outside things to hinder your faith. You're not allowing this unbelief 
to mess with you and cut you off at the knees with your faith, all right? So that's the thing of prayer and fasting. Remember, it doesn't matter how big the enemy, it doesn't matter principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness and heavenly places, they're all subject to the name of Jesus. They're all subject to the blood of the Lamb. They're all subject to the Word of God. They're all subject to the authority and dominion of any believer who will release their faith. Amen. That's why he said, if you have even faith as a mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, be there, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, and it would obey you, praise God. So the, the thing you have to understand, it's not about what, you know, the size of an enemy. It's, it comes down to your faith not being hindered, all right? And that's why unbelief is so dangerous, okay? You cannot let it in. You have to allow, amen, you got you to gotta have more of an expectation of what God can do. You got to get your mind renewed, amen, and not allow, amen, yourself to, to be move, more moved by your own understanding than, than by uh, faith and trust in God. Are you still hearing this? Praise God. Let me, let me just bring you one more text, amen, and out of Romans, amen, chapter 4, please. Last text here, and I'll let you go. Romans chapter 4, please. Hallelujah. And it says this. It's talking about Abraham, and I thought it was a great reference for this. All right, chapter 4. Verse 20 says, in verse 20 and 21, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. Okay, he didn't stagger, hesitate. It wasn't up and down, okay, in and out. He did not waver at the promise of God, okay, through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced or persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. That's what we got to get to. No matter what we're standing for, what we're believing for, what our promised land, that land flowing with milk and honey, that abundant life, that life of God, amen, that, that quality of life that you're called to possess, amen, that promised land, no matter what promise you're reaching for, you got to be fully persuaded and convinced. Do not allow unbelief to slide in. Don't put expectation in some disappointing thing in the past. Do not allow your own understanding to mess with you. Amen. Put your trust and your faith in God. Be a believer, praise God, and not one yielding to unbelief, praise God. I hope you got something today, child of God. Praise the Lord. Father, we give praise and glory once again for your word for these principles today. Thank you for a people of God that had an ear to hear, a heart to receive, and Lord, for opening the eyes of our understanding. We give you praise and glory in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. I call you blessed, child of God. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash victory, or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.